This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Optimal Relationships Daily, episode 659. Is allowing your child to study while on Facebook morally irresponsible? By Cal Newport of calnewport.com. Hello, everybody. I am your host, Greg Audino, and welcome to Optimal Relationships Daily. I am here from Monday to Friday to help you improve all of the relationships in your life, whether it's to do with dating, marriage, family, or something in between. You know the drill. Parenting posts are usually scheduled for the end of the week, and my watch says it's Thursday, so let's do it. Today, we are going to be hearing from computer science professor Cal Newport on multitasking and technology habits, something we don't talk about too much here on the pod. This is wonderful. This is a great post on electronic distractions and how it can cause permanent effects, which is something we all need to be aware of. So let's hear Cal's post and start optimizing your life. Is Allowing Your Child to Study While on Facebook Morally Irresponsible? By Cal Newport of calnewport.com The Stanford Consensus My technology habits are eccentric. I use an old-fashioned, non-internet-connected Samsung flip phone with a postage stamp-sized screen. I'm not on Facebook or Twitter and my RSS reader is an emaciated husk, subsisting on a small number of feeds, mainly the blogs of friends. Long ago, I configured Gmail to automatically mark every message as read when it arrives in my inbox, frustrating my attempts to perform distracting quick scans for new messages during the day. The rational foundation of my eccentricity is the increasingly alarming research coming out of Stanford's communication between humans and interactive media, CHIME, lab. Pioneering researchers from this lab are converging on a scary consensus. It's long been understood that you're less productive when you're constantly switching your attention. That is, the claimed benefits of multitasking are false. Researchers at the Chime Lab, however, have found that the impact of electronic multitasking goes beyond the momentary sense of distraction. It can also create permanent changes in the brain. As reported in a recent New York Times article, Subjects who were identified as multitaskers did a significantly worse job on experimental tasks that required them to filter out irrelevant information, even though they weren't multitasking during the experiment. Other tests at Stanford, reports the same article, showed multitaskers tended to search for new information rather than accept a reward for putting older, more valuable information to work. Or, as Clifford Nass, a communications professor at Stanford, summarized, The scary part for multitaskers is they can't shut off their multitasking tendencies when they're not multitasking. 
This is why I invest so much effort in isolating myself from electronic distraction. In my two fields, theoretical computer science and writing, the ability to focus on hard things for long, uninterrupted periods is my most valuable currency. If I lose this ability, I might also lose my livelihood. As the computer scientist Donald Knuth once said, email is a wonderful thing for people whose role in life is to be on top of things. But not for me. My role is to be on the bottom of things. The danger to students. That's the rational explanation for my behavior. If you want the emotional explanation, however, turn your, perhaps distracted, attention from Stanford's Chime Lab to my blog email inbox. I consult with around one to two dozen students a week, offering advice on how to find sustainable success. Over the three years I've played this advisory role, I've noticed an alarming trend. The current crop of undergraduates who went through high school in an era of Facebook and smartphones is suffering from serious concentration issues. I receive an increasing number of emails from students who have an expert-level knowledge on how to study, but are simply incapable of giving the task at hand more than a few minutes of concentration before seeking what the Times article aptly described as the dopamine squirt that comes from discovering a novel stimulus. This recent email is typical of those I receive. Quote, I've read your red book. I have an autopilot schedule, I have a to-do list, I block off specific times for each task, and yet I procrastinate like crazy. I have a very difficult time following through. End quote. The sad news is, according to the Stanford consensus, the longer students have spent working in a semi-distracted state, the harder it becomes to rebuild an ability to concentrate on something hard, like a naughty chapter from a philosophy text or a tricky calculus problem set. This leads me to the deliberately provocative title I gave this post. When a parent allows a son or daughter to study in a state of distraction, the impact goes well beyond the assignment at hand. This behavior could be rewiring the young student's brain, making it all but impossible for him or her to perform the feats of increased concentration required later at college and beyond. Resisting Disconnection Surprisingly, when I advise parents of the necessity of enforcing focus, my most infamous advice being to remove the cable connecting the modem to the router during homework time, I'm often met with equivocation. And I'm not the only one noticing this trend. The above-mentioned Times article profiled a hyper-connected family in which the young son, Connor, started receiving his first C's due to an inability to focus on his homework, an outcome that's not surprising considering that he shares his work desk with two computer monitors, one with his music collection, one with Facebook and Reddit. He also adds to the din an iPhone relaying a constant stream of text messages. Faced with this obvious problem, Connor's always connected father, baffling, expressed pride in his son's distraction. He's a fact hound, the father bragged. The mother, who is perhaps more aware of the problem, nonetheless threw up her hands, claiming that technology is part of the fabric of who he is. I get similar responses to my own pleas with parents. In addition to the traditional apologist tropes about the internet's advantages, improved visual acuity, the ability to do faster Google searches, really, this justifies a persistent state of unadulterated distraction, I also hear contrived scenarios in which being online would add some incremental benefit to the school work at hand. The need to look up word definitions is a common explanation. A crusade begins. This is where I'm drawing my line in the sand. 
The tired debate on the advantages and disadvantages of hyperconnectedness is fine for adults. A 27-year-old, such as myself, can make his own decision about what mental skills are important. But for teenage students, immersed in a developmental stage where impulse control is dangerously weak and the brain is at a peak of malleability, guardians should have some responsibility for helping to preserve their ability to focus. The teenagers can choose to discard this ability later in life, but by allowing a 15-year-old to study while bombarded by three screens worth of distraction, even if he is a fact hound and it's part of his personality and he might need to quickly look up a word he doesn't understand, you are making this choice for him. I'll continue, of course, in my role as an informal source of student advice to preach the benefits of sustaining focus during this fragile period. Are you willing to join me? You just listened to the post titled, Is Allowing Your Child to Study While on Facebook Morally Irresponsible? by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Super important read from Cal today, guys. Wow. Uh, Multitasking is indeed one of the often misunderstood uh, skills, I'll call it, that people tend to have. Yes, it can seem glamorous, not only because people think it's glamorous, but also because if you're someone like Connor, yeah, sometimes it can feel like you're constantly willing to learn. And if you can sustain this for at least a while while still accomplishing what you need to accomplish, then why question it? But as Cal says, the long-term effects are slow but real. Excessive multitasking not only leads to the inability to concentrate on homework, but realistically in any area of life. You know, focus becomes harder on one job, one relationship, etc. And this uh, excess stimuli makes it harder to give proper attention to anything. And commitment can go down the drain from there. So, thanks to Cal for reminding us of that in this great, great article. Uh, Now, we're going to wrap up today's episode, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. And remember to advise your kids on the long-term effects of their technology habits. Please, it's, it's for the sake of the future, people. I will see... I will list, talk to you tomorrow. I keep wanting to say I'll see you tomorrow. God, Greg, figure it out. This is not a visual podcast. I will talk to you tomorrow for the final episode of the week, everybody, where your optimal life awaits.